And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples. And a great multitude of people out of all, all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon. So here, he, here Jesus is with all of his disciples. He's standing in a wide open place. And this is not just a multitude. This is a great multitude. Anytime you see the word multitude, it means hundreds to thousands. So this meant a great multitude is probably uh, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. This was a massive amount of people. They were actually seeking Jesus out. And they were from all over Judea. If you've not looked at an Old Testament map of Judea, Judea is a big region. So they're coming from Judea. They're coming from Jerusalem. They're coming from Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are on the um, west, the northern west coast of the region of, uh, of um, what was the nation? The name just left my mind. Um, of Judea, thank you. They're on the west, they're, it's in the northwest region of Judea in their day, and Jerusalem was in the very southern kind of middle to east side of Judea. So they were coming from lots of miles and miles away. These people were coming from, they were doing a lot of traveling to get to Jesus. And it says that they came, now he's looking at the maps, he's I trying am. to see it. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> I'm a map person, can't help it, always have been. <laughs> and and, uh, and so it says that, and notice the people came to him. Let's just finish reading this verse. Which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. They came for two purposes. They came to hear and to be healed. The reason we come to prayer and healing school is so that we can hear, so we can build our faith, so that we can receive healing. That's the whole reason that we do this extra service is so people that can so people can come, can hear, and be healed. And uh, and sometimes it takes a little while, a little while to hear that. I was listening to losing brother Randy the other day, and he put us in remembrance of something that Dad Hagen had said right before he went home to to, to glory. He was. Uh, at their last, he was at his very last meeting on the earth. He was up in Mississauga, Ontario, and uh, they were having a dinner. They were fellowshipping. There were several ministers present at the time. Uh, Brother Randy was one of them, uh, and Ed Dufresne was another one. There was, I, I think he said there was about 12 to 15 ministers um, sitting in the room having this meal with Dad Hagen, and... Uh, Dad Hagen began, we call him Dad Hagen out of a term of endearment, no disrespect, actually great, great, great respect for the man. Um, but he said that while they were talking about a few different things, uh, Dad Hagen began to kind of look back at some things in the spirit and see some things in the spirit. And he began to weep. He said that he actually had tears starting to roll down his cheeks. And, and Dad Hagen said this, Reverend Kenneth Hagen said this, he said, you know, he said, um, we've got to get back to extended meetings. And they said, Dad, what do you, what, what do you mean we're going to get back to extended meetings? He said, you know, he said, I used to run meetings. In fact, he would never take a meeting unless he was there for at least three weeks. And it wasn't three Sundays and three Wednesdays. It was every single day of the week he preached. Every day of the week he preached. 
And, uh, and sometimes he'd preach twice a day every day. Uh, but most of the time he, he preached every night. And then, you know, Saturday, Sunday, uh, he'd preach. And it's different times. It just flowed differently. But he preached at least every single day for a minimum of three weeks. He said, honestly, he never took, he, he never took a meeting. There was a space and time where he never took a meeting for less than three weeks. And this is why. He said, every notable miracle I have seen in my ministry took place after, at the three-week or later mark. He said it took three weeks of preaching straight, three weeks of people coming and hearing, day after day after day, 21 days of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing before people would grab a hold with faith to receive their miracles. And so he was sitting there with these ministers and he was weeping and, and tears running down his cheeks. And he, began to, and he began to just say, oh, we've got to get back. Oh, we've got to get back. Oh, we've got to get back. And one of them, and, and, and they said, Dad, what do we got to get back to? And he said, we've got to get back to extended meetings. And one of the ministers is a very outspoken minister said, Dad, uh, she was very, very close to him, knew him. It was a woman minister, and she, she basically was like a daughter to him. And she said, Dad, how are we going to get there? She was just, just real blunt with him, not disrespecting him in any way. She said, Dad, how are we going to get there? And he just weeping said, I don't know, but we've got to get there. I don't know, but we've got to get there. And see, that's why the devil's got everybody so stinking busy is because you think, you want me to go to church how many days in a row? But we've got to get back there because we've got to get back to getting people in a position of faith. And if you don't come in here, you're not going to get there. And so that's, uh, that's what, and, and so when the Lord said, come here and be healed, I was like, okay, Lord. And he actually said that this was the word that he used for me. I think he used this word for me so I could understand what he was saying. He's not a great marketer. This is not a marketing scene scheme by any means he said you've got to make a campaign out of it and i said oh because you know that means you've got to really promote it you've got to push it you've got to express it you've got to get people out there and i'm going okay so right now i'm in behind the scenes looking for lord for the lord's plan exactly how he wants us to do this but his desire is that his people be healed his desire is for the world to be healed um and so we've got to get to that place glory to god and so that's what we were talking about uh, uh, earlier. And then uh, tonight, I want to look at, um, let me just put my notes away, because there's honestly nothing written in here that I need. We're just going to go by the Spirit. Glory to God. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We're talking about sickness, disease. We're talking about, and, and when we say sickness and disease, this can be any type of sickness. This is, this is, you know, um, small minor things to great big huge things. This is physical things, mental things, emotional things, any type of sickness. Genesis chapter 1. You know, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any sickness or disease in chapter 1. There's not. <laughs> there's not, and that's the point that I want to make. Look at, um, look at verse 31, Genesis 1, 31. Genesis 1.31, God's made the whole world, and, and uh, he gives us a summary of the condition of the world. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. 
and the evening and the morning were the six days. See, I told you. <laughs> Everything that God made was very good. In God's original design, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no mental illness, there's no addiction, there's no poverty. None of that exists in God's perfect design. So when did all of this enter in? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It entered in in chapter, chapter 3. three. When Abraham, when Ab- I don't know why I keep saying Abraham today. When Adam and Eve went against God, when he went, when they went against God, see, God put them in charge, and you're going to have to go back and read Genesis one, two, and three for yourself. But when God put Adam and Eve in charge, there was no sickness, there was no lack, there was no disease. But God did not want robots for family. God wanted a family, and in order to have family, guess what? Family has to have free will. And so God knowing, God knowing, he was aware that there was a serpent, not, well, actually it wasn't a serpent, it was an, a, a disembodied spirit that, had, that was built up with pride that wants to take over his kingdom. He knew that that was on the earth. He knew that that spirit had access to the garden, that it had access to Adam and Eve. And this is why in Genesis 1, 27, 28, God said give, he gave Adam and, Adam and Eve, he gave all of mankind dominion. That he said, you've got authority and the power to keep everything under control. The problem is, is when you get over to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve didn't, didn't exercise their authority. If you'll notice, let's just read the first few verses in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Now notice he said that this serpent was more subtle, more subtle. In other words, it's a sneaky creature. And we know this about what we call serpents today or snakes today, that they're very, they kind of they come into an area un, unseen. They come in very slowly. They observe their entire atmosphere. This was the makeup of this creature. But, the, but Satan took authority over this creature, grabbed a hold of this creature, and... and, and um, uh, began to operate through this very subtle creature, uh, the serpent, and look at what took place. <clears throat> and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This now, serpent begins to talk to Eve. And have you ever noticed she doesn't go, Eek! It's a snake! Ah! Or, oh my God, it's a snake! Oh my God, you're talking! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the serpent is talking! This is not a good thing! If this was something unusual, how much do you know? She might have been a little cluer. She might have had a clue. Apparently, the animals did once upon a talk communicate with Adam and Eve because she wasn't freaked out about this. And he began to question Eve and what was available and what wasn't. He said, uh, did God not say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He twi- God did say, God said you can eat of every tree of the garden, except when you eat of this tree, you'll know good and evil, so don't do that. See, but we'll find out here in a minute that Eve said something to, to stir some problems here, or that kind of gave the serpent an in, I should say. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Which is a true statement. They can eat. Absolutely. 
But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Did the Lord ever tell her you can't touch it? No. Nope. Absolutely not. But us being the mental people that we are, we put things, we insert, we, we insert our own safeguards, and then we think that our own safeguards that we put in place uh, that the family, that, that the father put in place. Well, if I don't touch it, then I certainly right. can't eat it. If I don't even touch it, then I'm not tempted to eat it. But that was her doing, not God's doing. But what that did is that opened the door for Satan to back her into the tree. And then when she touched it, forgetting that that was her idea. And then the Satan went, well, you touched it and you didn't die. You touched it and you didn't die. You know, um, and so that opened the door. And then... Eve took of the fruit, but we find out through reading a little more, and I'm not going to read because I want to get there. We find out a little more that when she took the fruit, she handed it to Adam, which means he was present while the serpent was talking, which means when she said, oh, we're not even supposed to touch it, Adam had a responsibility to say, Eve, that's not correct. We can touch it. We're just not to eat of it. He did not exercise his authority in his household to make sure that everything ran clearly and smoothly. So uh, that's why Adam and Eve uh, were both punished is because Adam didn't hold his responsibility. He didn't say, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. So I want to jump to the end of this chapter. Again, I'm trying, we're trying to figure out when did sickness and disease enter the world. So as we jump to the end, well, not, not let's, quite the end. let's jump to, uh, to um, verse 7 real quick. We're going to read 7 and not 8. Not even close to the end. Yep. We're going <laughs> to jump to 7 and 8. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So they knew that they were naked. In other words, they knew, in other words when, they, when she grabbed the fruit, nothing happened. When she handed the fruit to Adam, nothing happened. When Adam failed to take his authority, nothing happened. This is what Satan does. We, we make little decisions in our life, and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And that causes us to lower our guard, lower our guard, lower our guard. So then they took the, they took the, the fruit, whatever it was. A lot of people say it was an apple. I don't know that it was. But let's just say they, she took the fruit, handed it to Adam. They both grabbed it. They both looked at it. They both handled it. They both bit it. Guess what? They, nothing still has happened. Because he didn't say when you bite the fruit. He said when you eat the fruit. While they're chewing, nothing has happened. It wasn't until they actually, the fruit actually went down into their stomach and they had officially eaten that they had committed that, 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 the, that the sin was sealed. At any point, they could have spit it out and said, we're not doing this. But they didn't do that. When they did that, that was the fullness of their sin, and now they belonged to Satan. That was the moment that God, see, God made man the God of this world. When God surrendered their authority to Satan is when Satan became the God of this world. And when he became the God of this world, things changed one of the things that changed is adam and eve were no longer clothed in the glory of god immediately 
their physical appearance changed. Immediately, their physical, uh, the, the color of their skin, what they were clothed in, immediately sickness and disease was now able to penetrate the body. Because that glory of God is what protects them. And so now Satan is the God of this world. And we know that he's now the God of this world because the one, the God. So this is amazing. Revelation is just hitting my mind as I'm talking to you. One of the earmarks of war, especially war in biblical times, had to do with the king's robe had everything to do with the king's robe, with the king's attire. The king would wear a robe that would signify his power and his authority. And for every uh, enemy that the king had um, whipped, had victory over, had championed over, they would take part of that king's robe and they would rip it, they would tear it, and they would sew that portion of that king's robe onto their robe and it would show that they had victory over that king. And the nations knew their different robes, and they would put in their signias and all that on there the, the, so that they would know, well, you know, that's the signia of the seal of that king, and now this king is wearing that king's seal, so that means that this king is now the king over his kingdom and that other kingdom. So when, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit... What happened, essentially, was they were stripped of their robe. And their robe, their glory, got attached to Satan's robe. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that Satan became the god of this world. And in order for everybody to know that he's the god of the world, he has to be dressed, so to speak, in the, in, in that, in the king's. The king of the world that he conquered, he has to take a piece of his garment and attach it to, to, Satan has to take a piece of the God of this world's garment and attach it to his garment. So when Adam, so how did, why did Adam and Eve get stripped of the glory? Because Satan robbed it of them and he attempted to dress himself in their glory. And that showed ownership. And so it said, and their eye, and the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew, um, and they knew that they were naked. They knew that they had been stripped of their dominion and their power. Now I want you to imagine this. God gave Adam and, and Adam and Eve dominion over the whole world. He, he basically he made them rulers, and he gave, gave them one rule. Don't eat of that one tree. He didn't even say you can't eat of the tree of life. He just said don't eat of that one tree. Of good and evil. Of good and evil. You know, and so they didn't, they only had one rule. Yep. And they'd walk with, with God in the garden in the evening, in the cool of the evening, in the cool of the day. Which could be, I've, I've studied could that out. It could be morning or it could, could be, be I, I believe that God walked with them every morning and every night because there's two periods of the cool of the day every day. So other than that one time when they were walking with God, they were pretty much left to their own devices to do whatever they wanted. But they were supposed to have dominion. And, but they were supposed to have dominion, which, which dominion means this is your domain. You own this. You are in charge of it. You are to take care of it and keep it and dress it. 
So they, they, they took care of things. They made sure things ran well. You know, they, and this is before the curse. So they didn't know hunger. They didn't know pain. They didn't know disease. They didn't, they didn't, know, they didn't know anything uncomfortable. So they really didn't have any reason to do anything bad. They just didn't know what bad was. Glory to God. But here comes Satan, not part of the garden. And he, he through his subtle deceit, he, he twists them into doing what the one thing they're not supposed to do. Yep. And at that point, they gave him the dominion. Yep. It was passed to Satan where he was now the ruler, he was now the owner, and he could change things however he wanted to a point. Glory to God. So if we read through here, we find out that God comes to Adam. He says, Adam, what did you do? And Adam says, it was the woman. And the woman says, it was the serpent. And the serpent, who Satan has embodied, is like, (laughs) I ain't got nobody else to blame. They blame each other. How much do you know that's the way man is still today? Man is still very much. It wasn't my fault. They, they told me I needed to do it, whatever. Well, that mentality is still there. That blame game is still there. How much do you say that's, that comes from the father, Satan? And we don't like to think of father, Satan, but how much do you know? Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. So even the God calls Satan father to, to humanity from time to time. Why? Because he understands what took place. See, God created us perfectly in his image with no fallibility in us, but he put free will in us. And, and mankind takes their free will and they use it wrongly. And when you use it wrongly, you are surrendering to the God of this world. And you put yourself under his authority. But I want, you, I want to read a couple of things about what happened. And so God said, Eve said, the serpent beguiled me. The serpent, verse 13, yep. the serpent beguiled me. He, he, he tricked me. And that's what Satan does. He tricks everybody. Satan will trick you into taking sickness and disease. He'll trick you by giving you what's called, what I like to call lying symptoms. Lying symptoms. A pain here, a sniffle there, a cough here, an itchy eye there. And, and you begin, and you feel those, a headache here. You feel that, and, you, and, and out of, it seems like almost a knee-jerk reaction, out of just instinct, and it is an instinct, it's an instinct of the flesh, out of instinct you go, oh, my back's out. Oh, there goes my knee again. Oh, it's flu season. Here we go. We're getting sick. See, instinctively, we grab a hold of that sickness. Hope it's COVID. What is he doing? He's tricking us into receiving his package. We have to be very careful to not receive it. And what happens sometimes is we receive something that we can't let go of. I'm reminded of a a situation that uh, Brother Randy talks about. Oh, tell me if you'll re- tell me if you remember his name, Brother Randy. You know he grew up in the deep south, down there in South Georgia, and uh, back there in the days where it was crazy. And uh, he had some just straight out country friends, and I don't remember. I think the man's name was John. I think that was his name. And John wore nothing but coveralls. I'm gonna call him John. John wore nothing but coveralls, and uh, 
they they get out there, you know, hunting raccoons and what have you at night, what have you. And there was this big, huge, was it a pine tree? I think it was a big, huge pine tree. It was a big, huge tree. And uh, there was a, they shined a light up there and they saw the light, saw some eyes, saw some eyes up there. And they thought, oh, and uh, he said, I'm on. And John said, I'm going to climb that tree and knock that coon down. And when I, when that coon comes down, y'all get it. And they said, oh, John, that tree's so big, you can't climb it. Boy, brother, brother Randy tells it way better than I do. But he said they challenged him, and he wouldn't be denied. And he said, oh, you boys hide and watch. And Brother Randy says he injected his fingernails in his toenails is what he says. He injected his fingernails, injected his toenails, and, and uh, shimmied up that tree. With it. But before he did, he took a long stick. And he took that long stick and he stuck it down in his coveralls so there wasn't nothing between him and, the, uh, him and his coveralls but the stick. And he ejected his toenail, his fingernails and his toenails and he shimmied way up in this tree. And he got up there and he hollered down to the boys. There were two other guys down there with shotguns. And he said, Woo, boys, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is the biggest coon I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's a big one. You boys get ready. They said, We're ready. We're ready. He said, Of course, it's dark out. And it's dark. It's pitch black. It's late at night. They can't see what they're doing. And uh, so John pulls out the stick and he pokes that coon in that tree. Only it's not a coon, it's a soup up wildcat and uh and apparently that souped up wildcat had in a different opinion than john did and that souped up wildcat grabbed a hold of john and they went at it and he wouldn't let go and that wildcat would not let go of john and john's up there going ah, ah, screaming and squealing and they're down there going john what, what are we doing what are we doing he said it's a souped up wildcat and it won't let me go they said, John, get down from there. He said, he said, boys, this thing won't let me go. He said, shoot this thing. Woo, shoot this thing. Woo, shoot this thing. And you can hear the chaos. And the boys down below said, John, we can't shoot that thing. We'll shoot you. Shoot you. And he said, just shoot amongst us. One of us has got to have some relief. So they got, I, I assume they began to shot, shoot around him, and finally the super cat let him go, and they come down. But how much you know, he got a hold of something he didn't want to get a hold of. Well, Satan will trick you into grabbing a hold of some type of sickness that you don't want. He'll trick you. He'll beguile you. And, uh, and that's what he said. He said, the serpent has beguiled me. She, they got a hold of that fruit, and they took a bite of it, and they swallowed it, and they got a hold of something they didn't want. And we've been dealing with it ever since. Let's read just a little bit more. All right, verse 14. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, I always thought that that was the punishment for Satan for the longest time. But the Lord, just, the Lord just revealed to me just recently this was the serpent's punishment. This was the snake's punishment. Well, why did the snake get punished? Because the snake, or what, what they call the serpent, what we now refer to as the snake, allowed Satan access to him. 
No demon can overtake an animal or a person unless they allow it. So that serpent allowed Satan to take control of him. Satan can do nothing to you unless you allow it. Unless you allow it, which means he can't, Satan can't put sickness on you unless you allow it. And what has happened to a lot of people is because we didn't know we had that authority, we allowed things that now we're trying to get rid of. We, we reached out and grabbed a hold of that wildcat, not aware of what we were doing, just like John wasn't aware. Well, and of course... Uh, the other thing is leaving doors and windows open. If you leave right. a door and a window open around here, wildcats liable to come in and move into your house. Especially if you leave food out. And if so, they're not a wildcat, a bear for sure. So when you don't keep the, the protection of God about you, you're leaving the door open. I have a feeling somebody had a bear encounter. I can't wait yeah. to hear that when, story. When, when, you, when you don't, leave, when, when you don't uh, keep the protection of God about you by, by following his commandments, you leave the door open, wide open. For, for the devil to come in. That's right. Yes, right? humans will also come in. Yes. Like I said, souped up wildcats, you know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but let's keep reading. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Where am I? Okay. Verse 15. Okay. Oh, and uh, let's see. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, what's going to bruise his head? Is, is the woman? No. Her seed her is seed. Going, to, going to bruise her his head. So this is Satan's punishment. Satan, see, because God, I believe Satan stood up. I believe when God showed up, I believe Satan showed up also. I believe he was on the scene. And, he, and I believe Satan, Satan with being, having that glory in his hand that he's robbed from Adam and Eve, I believe he stood before the Father God and said, I now own this place. I now have it. And God said, he, and I believe Satan said, they're now my children. I believe that's what he said. Because you know, Satan was puffed up with pride. I believe he took the glory off of Adam and Eve, held it in his hands, put it into God's face and said, uh, they were your children, now they're mine. And God responded with this. He said, I will put enmity or hatred between you and my woman. He said, and between your seed, between, between the seed of your children and the seed of my children. Who is that? So, well, we know that Jesus is the seed that, brought, that was the one that crushed his head, you know, bruised his head. We, know, we understand that. But how much do you know our flesh... Our flesh hates to, to yield to the things of God, but in our spirit, I mean, you know, in us, until we learn to walk by the spirit and control the flesh, there's a war of hatred. There is a war of hatred within ourselves. We, we, want, to, we want God, but yet we don't want the restriction. Well, it's not restriction. If you put it in the right perspective, it's not restriction, it's protection. But Satan wants you to believe it's restriction. No, 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 it's not, it's not restriction. Listen, my life is so much better now that I stopped uh, drinking and carousing and partying and acting. And sin, you know, now that I've cut sin out of my life, my life is so much more peaceful. I have so much more peace. We have so much more finances. We have so much more provision. We have so much more safety. Does that mean that Satan never comes around? Oh, no, he comes around. But now I get to look at him and I get to go, uh, Pinky, yeah, Pinky Flake, you're out of here. Satan, I see you. I want you to go to 
Um, and, and we'll see some other things, but I want to get to Luke chapter 13. We, we'll see some other things about the curse, but I want us to turn to Luke chapter 13. I want you to see, if you can understand where sickness and disease comes from, you will have an easier time to overcome it. So we see that Satan uh, became, this is when he became the ruler of this world. This is when we came under his control. But Jesus paid the price for us, set us free. Where did Luke go? Somebody, who right took here. Luke out of my Bible? It's in mine. <laughs> here it is, Luke chapter 13. Glory to God. I want you to go up to Luke 13. Yes. And uh, verse 10. Verse Luke 13, 10. 13, 10. All right. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So Jesus is teaching on the Sabbath. Now, we talked about the Sabbath this morning, that it's a day of rest. But under the Jews' time, uh, not only were they not to do any work, but this was also a holy day set aside for the Lord. So we could say it this way. We could say that Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Lord's day. It's his day. He can do whatever he wants, right? So that's what he's doing. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And was bowed together and could no and in no wise lift herself up or lift lift up herself. Notice this said uh, that this woman had a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of infirmity. There, every God has spirits that follow His command. We refer to them as angels, messengers. The word angel actually simply means messenger. Just like God has angels, we refer to them as angels. In the, in the biblical times, they referred to the servants of God and the servants of Satan as angels. So when you see angels in the Bible, you have to look at what are they delivering. Are they delivering the goodness of God or are they delivering evil of Satan? Now, Satan, being able to, per, to present himself as an angel of light, sometimes can make things look good like the pool of Bethesda. It would say, this was a pagan healing pool in, in um, their healing god. I'm trying to think of what his name is. It's, it sounds something like asphalt. Uh, but in either case, uh, he, he had these temples that had pools, and he would send a messenger, and one, an angel, a messenger, down to the pool to, to churn the water. And there's thousands of people laying there that need healing, and he'd, only let, and he'd only let the messenger heal one. The one that can do my bidding and get in the pool the fastest, that's the one that gets healed. Well, there was a Jew there, and Jesus knew it, and Jesus, but he was desperate for healing. And Jesus came and said, look, you don't have to, you don't have to bow down to this. You want to be healed? I'll, be, I'll heal you. It's a side note. Okay? So we understand that, that God has messengers that we, re, that we today in our vocabulary, we refer to them as angels, spirit messengers. Satan also has spirit messengers that deliver, gift, that deliver what Satan calls gifts or packages. And we refer to those as demons or principalities, or powers. This principality, or this power, this spirit messenger of infirmity, that word infirmity means sickness. This woman had a spirit, 
or a messenger that it was his job to deliver sickness to this woman. That's what her problem was. And, and, there's, and, and there are demons everywhere with assignments to deliver sickness. Uh, Dad Hagee, I'm not sure, I don't, I, I don't recall um, which one of them, they both talked about it, both Lester Summerall and Kenneth Hagen both talked about it, and I believe it was Dad Hagen that said this. He said, there are millions of demons active on the earth today. He said, in fact, if the Lord were to pull back the veil and let us see the number of demons in the atmosphere around us, he said, I believe that there would be some people that would literally fall dead of fear because of the amount of demonic activity simply in the atmosphere. That's a lot of messengers. That's a lot of messengers coming with sickness. And you well, wonder this, why people have such a hard time staying out of sin. And, and why they have a hard time staying out of sickness. So evidently, this woman inadvertently grabbed a hold of a souped-up wildcat called a spirit of infirmity. And that, that spirit had not let her go. But yet she's a servant of God. She's a child of God. She's in the synagogue. Like, she's trying to learn. I like how it says she can't even lift herself up. And then in verse 12 it says, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. She yeah. can't even lift herself she's, up. She's walking like this. She's bent over like this. Well, it turns out that the to her, uh, her to him is italicized, which means it was added in by somebody to make it to easier help us to understand. read. If you read it without that, it says, And when Jesus saw her, he called and said unto her. He didn't, he didn't tell her to come there. She can't move. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. He just simply called out to her with compassion, Woman. Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. What did Jesus tell us that we could do? If we have a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is, that God has raised him from the dead, if we have the revelation that Christ is the child of God, then God said, if you have that revelation, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and what you, loose, what you bind on earth will be bound, and what you loose will be loosed. Jesus operated in that right here. He saw this woman bound by this spirit of sickness, and he said, you're loosed. You're loosed. And when he loosed, guess what? No, no. Verse 13 says, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. So he still, even after he said it, he still had to lay hands on her. He still had to lay her. hands. So obviously he walked to her, she shuffled to him. Somehow they got in connection, and he laid his hand. He said, thou be loose. He laid hands on her. The power of God exited him, went into her, and that, that spirit of sickness was eradicated. He was evicted from being around her. Let's read a little bit more. So, and he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because, oh my gosh, it's the Sabbath, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Remember this morning I said about the Sabbath, they got into the ditch. They were so in the ditch that they could not even get excited when a woman who's over like this all of a sudden can stand up and give God glory. After 18 years. Come on. Well, we don't know that yet. Let's keep oh, reading. Oh, no, it said she was 18 years. Oh, oh, it did say 18 years. That woman's been walking like this for 18 years. 
Can you imagine? Hunched over for 18 years? My goodness. All right. And, and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. So I guess it's okay to preach, which is a job, on yeah. the Sabbath, but not to heal on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. Okay. But how much he, he got mad at the woman. How dare you come in here on the Sabbath hunched over for healing? She, she was just coming. I believe, but now here's the deal. She had to have some degree of faith for God, for Jesus to do something. I believe that she went to church day after day, 18 years, fighting that stupid wildcat, that spirit of infirmity, fighting that thing, going, Jesus, I've got to have relief. Father, I've got to have relief. Father, I've got to have relief. Father, just shoot around me and maybe something will hit me. You know, I've got to have relief. Because when Jesus saw her, he was moved with compassion. And that's why he said, be thou loosed and laid his hand upon her. He was moved with compassion. doesn't say that, but obviously he was. Obviously there was something about her that called out. And I can tell you this from, from, our, from our years of experience in the ministry. There are some people that are happy to be sick. They want to be sick. You can preach, and I mean, you can, you can feel the tangible power, healing power of God in the atmosphere. And they will sit there and say, no, I'm good being sick. This is my weight to bear. But obviously, that wasn't the case with this woman. Obviously, she got tired of fighting this spirit of infirmity, and she had something that God could work with. Let's keep going. All right. The Lord, or Jesus, then answered him and said, thou hypocrite. Dost not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? He said, he told him, he said, you hypocrite. Basically, the, on, on, uh, this was probably, it doesn't tell us who it was exactly. I don't think it does. Let me just glance over it. It says the ruler of the synagogue. So the ruler of the, the ruler of the synagogue, it does tell us, this is the ruler, this is the head guy, this is the guy that's supposed to be healing people. The reason that he bucked Jesus, I believe, is because he was ashamed. He was ashamed. Because this woman had been coming to his synagogue week after week, week after week, coming and, uh, on the Sabbath, and yet she never got healed. And so his excuse was, well, she came to me when we are not supposed to do any work. He was trying to defend himself. She came when I wasn't doing, when I wasn't doing healings. We do healings on Thursday. She should have been here on Thursday. That's when we do healings. Yeah. And Jesus said, We don't you heal hypocrite. we don't heal on Sunday morning, only on Sunday evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No healing no healing for you on no healing in this service. No. She came, she needed it. He was ashamed that he had not been able to help this woman get free. And so she he was trying to take the, he was trying to fix it. Look, he was trying to take his shame and put it over on her, like she did something wrong. Or like he did something wrong. No, he no. She, he was ashamed that he had not gotten her healed. So he was trying to put the blame on her, so that he didn't have to be ashamed. You know, oh, you can't. You, you, if you need to be healed, you need to come any of the other six days. Your fault. It's your fault. Oh, so and also he's 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 making out like well I could have done that too if you'd have come on Thursday. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh well, it's, it, she came on the wrong day. That's why I hadn't healed her. Okay. What? I got it. 
<laughs> I see that's why Jesus said, thou hypocrite. Thou hypocrite. See, people, people it's, it's amazing to me, and I've watched this. People will judge others for the same issues that they have in their own life. Oh, of course. If you have a gambling problem, they will tear down other gamblers. Like, they, I mean, I have a limit. I'll only gamble $200. They gamble 2000 Therefore, they're in the wrong. You're still gambling. I'll only have a drink with dinner, but I have it with every dinner. They drink all the time. They're calling others out for their own, for their own weaknesses. And, that's, and what are they doing? They're trying to shift the, they're trying to shift the shame elsewhere. And Jesus said, listen, you're upset, but you're trying to put the blame on her. This makes you a hypocrite. That's what this does. He said, do you, he said, you're sitting there telling me you're not supposed to do any work, but yet you go home and loose your ox or your donkey. Or take care of your animals. Or take care of your animals. You, you preaching. <laughs> you're right. the head of the synagogue. Come on. All right. Look at verse, what he says. Verse 16. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? I mean, what better day is there? What better day than the Lord's day? But I want you to focus, what I want you to underline is Satan hath bound. Sickness, all sickness, all disease comes from Satan. I want to read uh, this out of a couple different, I want to read a couple different versions of just this phrase. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to pull a couple of these out. Uh, the Barclay translation says, for 18 years, Satan has fretted her. Satan has just sat there and just kept her stressed and under pressure. Fettered. It or says fettered. Fettered, not fettered her. Just, just, I mean, just, just kept fussing with her. Fettered means bound. Yep. Um, the Barclay says, Satan, had, Satan held tied up. He held her tied up. I'm like, come on now. Uh, uh, bound. I'm trying to get, there's one over here I found that I thought, man, that's incredible. Uh, it says, has held, has been held by Satan for 18 years. Satan grabbed a hold of her and held her for 18 years. Um, another one says, whom the enemy has been around. I love that one. He said this, this spirit, this spirit of infirmity has been just dogging her, just been right on her for 18 years. Maybe she'd get a little relief. Maybe there was some days instead of being bent like this, she was more like this. And then there were other days she was probably like this. That spirit of infirmity was just there. Just, just harassing her day in and day out. I like this one. But this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who has been in bondage of Satan, think of it, for 18 years should not have the right to be released from her bonds because it is the Sabbath? Come on. Come on. There's one more I want to find. that I, When I read this one, I was like, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. I should have. She should have marked it. I should have, because when I read it, I thought, "Wow." There's like twenty different translations in here. Yeah, this uh, this is another one. He, this one said, "Jesus heard this, so he responded." Some of you, some of you rulers, don't make sense. Some of your rules don't make. Or sense. Or some of your rules don't make sense. You allow people to give their animals water on a on the weekly day of rest, 
but you don't want someone to heal this Jewish woman who has been suffering for 18 years. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm looking for that one. I don't know what you're looking for. I'd help. (laughs) Hold on. Is it this one with the escape? Well, you can go ahead and read that one. Okay. This... Uh, This woman is more important than an animal. She is a Jew descended from Abraham. But Satan has kept her crippled for 18 years as though he had tied her and not let her escape. So it is certainly right that she be freed, that I free her, even if this is a Sabbath day. Was it not right that she be freed, that I free her, even if this is a Jewish rest day? Glory to God. One of these says, that she has been molested by Satan for 18 days. Maybe you can find it. I've, I've overlooked it too many times. Alrighty. But one version actually says that she, he said, should she not be freed who has been molested by Satan for 18 years? I mean, Satan has just been just, just taking her over and over and over and, and twisting and contorting her body for 18 years. He said, should, this not, should she not be released? God wants you released from your bondages. He wants you set free. He wants you set free. But in order to get set free, we must understand where sickness originated from. I was listening to Dad Hagen, and he talked about, he, talked about uh, he was reading after Lillian Yeoman, Dr. Lillian Yeoman. And Dr. Lillian Yeoman uh, became... Uh, she was, a, she was a renowned doctor who, because of the great need to help people, got herself over into addiction because she started taking drugs so that she could continue to take care of her patients because she was working a ridiculous amount of hours and got herself over into addiction and lost her license and all of this. Well, she still had a desire to see people healed. So the only thing that she could now do because she no longer had a license is she, had to learn, is she, is she began to get people healed through the word of God. And uh, But in one of these trips, one of these mission trips, that she was on a trip where they got called in, and uh, they had, um, I think it was, they, there was a fever, typhoid fever or something, some type of horrendous fever going through the village. And uh, they, they said, they, they figured out that this is coming from some place, and they said, we've got to find the source of this fever, and so they got to looking at some things, and, she, and so she asked them, she said, where do you get your water from? Because it was, the, it was the common link, was the water. And they said, oh, up on the mountain, there's a, there's a wellspring, and it feeds, it comes down the mountain, and that's where everybody gets their water from, was this cistern up in the mountains. And so they gathered a bunch of people to go up to find out what's happening at the wellhead, at the source of their water. Well, when they got up there, they found that a, mom, that a mama pig and her piglets had fallen into the cistern, into the well, and they were decaying. When well, they drowned. And, yeah. and they drowned and they were decaying, and that was what was making the water toxic. So they dug out the mom pig and the, and the decaying baby pigs, and they cleaned the well really, really good. They got it all cleaned out and, and got the water running clean, and then they were able to get control over the fever and get it eradicated from this village. What did they have to do? They had to go to the source. And that's what we have to do if we're going to walk in divine health is we've got to go back to the source. 
Where is sickness coming from? Number one, it's not coming from the Father God. No. Everything that God created is good and very good. It doesn't come from there. It comes from Satan. We see in the scripture, it was Satan. It was this messenger. Where did this messenger of Satan, the spirit of infirmity, where did it get that sickness from? From Satan. He got it from Satan. All he did is he took it off the sickness shelf and brought it to her and kept just, just pounding her with it. When we understand that sickness is from the enemy, when we understand that the source of sickness is Satan, and then we understand that we've been redeemed from sickness, go to Galatians 3.13, then we can go, when sickness tries to attack, we can go, oh, no, 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 no. We are not doing this. Galatians 3.13. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to go look at it, but go back. It do you good to go look at Deuteronomy 28. And you'll find out that all sickness and disease is listed there in fact there's a verse around verse 48 that says that uh, that in that any and all sickness those named in deuteronomy 28 and anything that comes along later uh falls under the curse and satan is the one that brought in the curse of the world when he when he got adam and eve to take over when he grabbed that that crown when he grabbed that clothing of glory, and he took it, he replaced it with the curse. But, oh, thank God for for Galatians 3.13. All right. So Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Glory to God. Christ has redeemed us. This is an accounting term, which means Christ has paid the price he has paid the price christ uh, yes it may be true that you've committed sin and opened the door to sickness yes it may be true that you were like john and you climbed up that tree and you poked that wildcat and that wildcat grabbed a hold of you but christ has already taken the effects of that attack on his own body for us So what you have to do is you've got to get it from your head down into your spirit that sickness is not yours. How Lillian Yeoman would do this is she would, what she would do after she lost her license and what have you, her and her sister bought a large house. It had several rooms, and I think they could only take about six to eight patients at a time. And, and who she would take in, her and her sister would take in, were people that the doctor said, there's absolutely no hope. There's nothing more we can do for you. You, are, you just need to go home and die because you, you've, reached our, you've reached the limit of what we can do for you. She would take these people in, and what, they would, what she would do is she, she and her sister would every day, they'd go sit by their bedside, and they'd read them healing scriptures for a little while. They'd read some healing scriptures to them for a little while. They wouldn't overload them. They would just read the Bible to them a little bit, and then they would say, Now, every waking moment, because these people are in and out of consciousness, every waking moment, I want you to say, I have been redeemed from such and such, whatever their sickness was. And they would... And, and, and they would do it. Well, one woman in particular, she had tuberculosis, 
and she was given up. She was given days to die. And uh, they would, you know, so they'd get up in the morning. They'd give them a little bit of breakfast. They'd read the Bible to them. Then they'd get their next meal and what have you. And so this woman they brought in, and she was in and out of consciousness, and she read scriptures to her. She was delirious, different things like that. And she, she told this woman, I want you to just continue to repeat this. Tuberculosis is the curse of the law. I have been redeemed by the curse because Jesus is hung on the tree. Therefore, I no longer have tuberculosis. I don't think it was that much, but it was just, I had been, re- I think she would just say, I think she had her just say, I have been redeemed from the curse, uh, the curse of tuberculosis because of Jesus, I think is what they had her say. But th- she had her say, and, the, and she'd come into the room to check on her, and the woman would say, why am I saying this? I don't believe this. I don't, why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? I don't even know what this means. Why am I saying this? And Lillian Yeoman would say, say, honey, it's going to be okay. We know, we know, we understand, but I need you to just keep saying, I've been redeemed from the curse of tuberculosis. Just keep saying, Jesus, that's what it was, Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of tuberculosis. Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of tuberculosis. Jesus has redeemed me from the, she said, every moment that you're awake, just continue to utter these words. Well, sometime later, it was a week or so later, a couple days later, they, her and her sister were down in the kitchen making broth soup for their patients. And all of a sudden, they heard a big racket upstairs. And they were like, what is that going on? And they looked, they turned and looked, and here come this woman that was on her deathbed, couldn't barely stay awake long enough to eat soup, come down the stairs in her pajamas and going, going, I've been redeemed, I've been redeemed. She come flying into the kitchen. And she said, she said, Miss Lily, Miss Lily, Miss Lily, do you know that Jesus has redeemed me from tuberculosis and I'm completely healed? And Miss Lily looked at her and said, Honey, I've been trying to tell you that since the day you got here. And she got up and she rejoiced. What did, what did she do? She got the revelation that sickness did not have the right to stay in her body. We have to get a revelation that when sickness tries to attach itself to us, it has no legal right to stay attached. Glory to God. Well, we, we've, seen, <clears throat> we've seen that God did not create the earth for there to be sickness and death. That's right. You know, back in Genesis, uh, we were all supposed to live forever. And right. we weren't supposed to be in fear. We weren't supposed to have any wor- worries or troubles. But that changed when sin entered into the world. Through the, now, Satan did deceive and trick Adam and Eve into doing this. But they knew that they weren't supposed to do it, and they chose to do it anyways. That's the definition of sin. Doing wrong when you know to do right. That's right. And you could say, well, how does that affect me? Well, Adam and Eve are, are, are examples of mankind. That's right. And there isn't a man on, or a woman on the earth that has never sinned. So sickness and disease has entered into the earth. But thank God, he had a plan. Glory he sent his son to die on the cross for us, that if we believed in him, and if we confessed out of our mouths that he is our Lord and Savior, that we would be redeemed from the curse of the law. Because Glory the curse, the law, <laughs> it doesn't matter what sin you've done. The law is the law. The curse is the curse. If you sin, 
Whatever that sin is, you are separated from God and from his protections. And you are open to the curse. That's right. Point blank. doesn't matter if it was a little white lie or if you shot somebody. That's right. In cold blood. It doesn't or matter. Or even by accident. doesn't matter. So, God made a plan. We have to rely on that plan. We have to speak it out of our mouth. We have to confess out of our mouths that he is our Lord and our Savior and that he died for us and that we are redeemed. And then we have to believe in that. It's all we have to do. And then, then we are given back the authority that, that, that Adam and Eve gave away and we can stop Satan in his tracks. But we have to believe. It's that Glory simple. God. And repent. Yes. That is the key part. (sighs) Glory, 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 glory. Glory. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is amazing. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. Thank you, Father. Did you find what you were looking for? I did. Go to Romans 1.16. We're going to end right here. I realized. One. Not 16. Yeah. (laughs) Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Let's read this verse. All right. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So I said a minute ago, one version said molestation. I had the the wrong verse. Right here where he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We need to get to the point that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, for it is the power, the gospel, the good news of Christ is the power of God onto salvation. Now, this word salvation is not sozo like we see in other places. This word is sotiria, sotiria, and it means deliverance, um, uh, safety, salvation, as in deliverance from the molestation of enemies. Salvation, isn't this cool? It is, this word salvation means that we have been delivered from the molestation or the abuse or the attack of the enemy. And that's soteria. Soteria, that's why I keep him around. <laughs> he can get these words better than I can. But glory to God. So when we have, when we are fully assured of the gospel what is part of the gospel christ has redeemed me from the curse when we get the revelation that christ has redeemed us from the evil works of satan christ has redeemed us from satan's abusive power satan uses sickness to abuse people You know, when we get the revelation, Satan, Christ has redeemed me from your abusive work. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, my goodness. Glory to God. It's total freedom when you're no longer being abused by the enemy. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, you want to bless the tithes and the offerings, the giving to the people? Glory to God. If you're given online, the instructions are on the screen. Uh, we're not your local church, so you don't tithe to us. But if we sow into your life, you can sow into the kingdom through us. And we promise the, the seed will go to good ground. 
Glory to God. Uh, Pastor Mike and, and of course, I currently if you're listening don't take... On, if you're listening online, and this is the only church you listen, on, listen to online, we are your local church. Well, we are your church, but yeah. you, need to get your, you need to get yourself in, into a physical church. Well, that would be better, yes. Glory, if, you, if, you, if you're physically able. If you're not physically able, reach out to us. We, we can work it out. Gotcha. Glory to God. All thank right. you, Father. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word. And we thank you for you this, this day. We thank you that we've been able to spend this day resting in you, Lord, and learning from you, Lord, and, and receiving from you. Lord, just pour into us. Pour everything you can into us that we can become closer to you and that we can become more like you and that we can be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you for, for, for this gift that you have given us, this gift of the word, this gift of, of knowledge, this gift of, of his self-sacrifice that he gave himself for us, that we could be purchased and redeemed from the curse of the law. Lord, we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Lord, we give unto your kingdom because you gave so much unto us first. And Lord, we give with a grateful heart and a generous heart so that your work can be done here on this earth. So, Lord, we sow into your kingdom. We ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work and the doing, the doing of your will here on this earth. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take our health. You will not take our finances. And you will not take our word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is ever working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. Well, we will have church on Wednesday, even though we won't be here. Um, we'll, uh, you'll have to come and find out who's ministering.